Welcome to All Axes. My name is Thielen Henderson, and I'll be your host. Joining us today to discuss the future of additive manufacturing is Lauren Heinrich. Lauren's a researcher with Georgia Tech and an intern here at Mazak. Good morning, Lauren. Hello, good morning, and thank you for having me. The pleasure is mine. So, um, tell me, what exactly, what degree are you, you currently pursuing? I'm currently finishing up my master's degree in mechanical engineering at Georgia okay. Tech. And But uh, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that there was a focus that I found pretty interesting. My focus is specifically on wire arc additively manufactured components and cooling those components. Interesting. And, and when it comes to additive manufacturing, the two types I tend to hear the most about are, are powder deposition and, and wire deposition. Uh, what's the difference between those two? Yeah, so currently in the machine tool industry with hybrid manufacturing, where they combine the subtractive capabilities and the additive capabilities, they often call that hybrid, mm -hmm. um, those are DED systems, direct energy deposition systems. And with those systems and a metal feedstock, um, the metal feedstocks are often in the form of either powder or wire. So for instance, the wire form often materials such as the MIG welding filler wire is used as the additive feedstock. However, with the powders, they use functionally graded materials and it blows a powder and then melts them at the location of the heat source, which in many cases, it is a laser. When do you know how to use which additive process? So what's unique about the different processes is wire DED is often well suited when lots of material needs to be laid down in a shorter period of time um, and post machining can occur to achieve the surface finish and when only one feedstock is necessary. There are systems that are being developed for more than one feedstock type, but single feedstocks is great for the wire systems. However, with the powder systems, oftentimes OEM manufacturers have multiple hoppers. So you can mix multiple types of material in the single weld pool of the additive weld pool, which offers uh, flexibility to the material scientists and the manufacturers. And sometimes you can even get better resolution or finer resolution with the powder systems. So for example, the powder system that's at Georgia Tech, it's only one millimeter diameter of a spot in weld bead. And whereas our wire system, that's more of a um, six to seven millimeter wide bead. So it, it sounds like the powder uh, is a little more complex. It's a little more involved. But but you mentioned being able to do uh, new materials with it or, 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 or allow, allow the metal scientists to, to have more fun. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Correct. Yeah. So what makes these DED systems very unique and why material scientists are often interested in them is it's very easy in relative terms to change the alloy concentration of the material at the deposition pool. So I can have two or three hoppers of different materials and blow them into the melt location at different rates. So alloy manufacturing such as shape memory alloys or um, just new alloys that are being discovered can be manufactured in these hybrid machine tools. Do you have any stories where uh, a new alloy has been useful in terms of uh, improving a part? Yeah, so there's one really cool story that I've heard about the shape memory alloys in turbine blades. 
Whereas when this blade gets really hot, um, it changes shape to allow more air to go past it so it'll cool off. Once it has met its working temperature, it returns back to its shape. So no mechanical processes, it's strictly just in the material properties of this material that allows it to change shape. So just the material itself can automatically react to its temperature, make the necessary adjustments, and then return back to its original form. Correct. Yes, in simple terms. But material scientists, of course, <laughs> have many other details to add to that. So the, I think the hesitation with a lot of additive manufacturing at the moment is, uh, first off, a lack of exposure, but, but also uh, the price is, is still expensive since it's a fair, uh, fairly new technology. Uh, is this something that, that's achievable for, for most manufacturers? Or, or is this something that's currently just uh, reserved for the elite? So these additive manufacturing technologies, when you buy systems from the OEM manufacturers, they do have a high investment cost due right. to the development of these systems. So for instance, I probably wouldn't make a small child's toy with this additive manufacturing uh, technology because the tolerances don't require it. However, with aerospace components or repairing high cost molds, that is where additive manufacturing can become and hybrid manufacturing can become profitable. For example, if I have a, let's just say like a 316 stainless part that needs to be cladded in Stellite, you can do that relatively easily on a hybrid AM component. You can clad it and then finish machine it in these machine tools, hybrid machine tools. Whereas, um, and again, these, these cladding machines, they're pretty expensive with the powder blown and all the laser and all those components. However, there are also systems that are offered that retrofit current CNC machines and use robots, like what Lincoln Electric and the Wolf Robotics Partnership is doing, where they put a MIG welder on a robot. And then these are much more affordable and can be adapted with the current machine tools that are in certain manufacturing sites. And you mentioned that there are applications for this uh, in terms of repairing existing parts. Do you have a feel for when you'd use additive to repair a part? Like what, what makes a part a good candidate for that? So for example, if somebody is cutting a part, um, a high cost part, let's just say some titanium, some 6AL4V, and uh, they make a wrong cut or an end mill breaks, or something slightly goes wrong at the end of this manufacturing process, but the part isn't quite complete yet. Additive and hybrid manufacturing could allow the machine tool user to fix that area and then repair it. So now this part that would have had to have been scrapped can now be reused. And then also for lower cost components, um, but still long times to remanufacture, such as a manifold, if a tool breaks down inside of a manifold, um, the machine tool user could additively repair this one operation that failed, fill in the material that's not quite right, and then fix their broken tool, and then continue on manufacturing without having to scrap the entire manifold. And uh, that work could be done with a robot that could be mobile, 
or it could be done on a specifically hybrid machine tool. So the two ways to look at it to, to determine if it makes cost sense are, one, is the part too expensive to scrap out? You know, is it, is it more cost efficient to fix it with additive manufacturing? Or two, and two, uh, is it too labor intensive? And therefore, you're looking at your man hours in terms of what it would take to uh, re repair the part or replace the part. Correct. Okay, so I think that gives us a good idea of options and, and almost the current state of additive manufacturing. But what's next? Yeah, so the future of additive manufacturing, it's definitely a horizon of unknown, but we need to step out there to discover it and figure it out. We need to try out these new alloys. We need to try different types of feedstocks and putting feedstocks with each other. For example, hybrid manufacturing technologies um, implemented a polymer and a metal additive system into a single machine tool. So what's the application of having plastic and metal additive processes in one machine. We, we don't really know yet, and we're just asking questions and we're trying stuff. And that's the beauty of this modern technology today and the computational capabilities of modern computers and CAM softwares. So it's, it's going to be really neat what comes from the aerospace and research world and how that will be able to support United States manufacturing and push us to the next level in the energy, defense, and space programs. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how and where all of this goes. Um, and you never know what might happen tomorrow. We might yeah. discover a earth-shattering new alloy that could really help us um, in the energy sector. Anything well, that, can happen. That's fun to think about. You know, just like any other science, we have some of the tools, and now all we need is the proper resources and time, and then we'll we'll, we'll see where it takes us. Correct. Yes. And I'm, I'm excited to hopefully be a part of that and see where it goes. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to All Axes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or you can always visit our website at mazakusa.com for the latest episode.